Good afternoon and welcome to Your Book Garden, a copyrighted show presented by Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. I'm Tina Susetic, your host. Today, I'm happy to welcome Zoe Blake, author of Dark Romances, to my show. Zoe Blake is a USA Today and international best-selling author of over 20 books, as well as being part of several anthologies. She writes both historical and contemporary romances. Zoe and I met this past June at Wild, Wild Deadwood Reads in Deadwood, South Dakota. Uh, we also both wrote short stories in an anthology that um, I think it was 17 of us authors um, uh, put together called Wild Deadwood Tales, um, uh, part of uh, award-winning and best-selling authors. And like myself, uh, Zoe wrote uh, in a historical um, set in Deadwood, South Dakota. Welcome, Zoe. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's good to good to talk to you again. I think we had a, we had a little bit of fun in Deadwood, didn't we? <laughs> oh, Deadwood was so much fun. Like you said, I write historical and contemporary, but my first love is historical romance. So I absolutely love going to historical places. And all the other authors there were so much fun. It was a very well-planned signing. Lots of activities. Yeah, um, next year they're doing it again, so I'm I'm looking forward. I've I've attended the first one and the second one. I'll be going to going again next year. So, yeah, that's you I know no matter how many times you go out there, there's oh good. So we'll get to see each other again. Um, you know, it, it, no matter how many times you go out there, there's always something new to see, which is which is fun. So, and this time my husband's going to go with me, so that'll be a little bit different. <laughs> I'm lucky. I actually, if anyone follows me on Facebook, uh, they know one of the main things about me is I'm actually married to a chef who I call Chef Hubby on Facebook. And Mm -hmm. Chef Hubby comes to all of my signings. And so we we really treat it as a time to have kind of a romantic getaway. You know, we like going to the fun destinations and setting up the signing and meeting readers. And we just have a blast the whole time. And if I recall, memory serves me right, he's uh, quite a good-looking Mr. Chef, too. (laughs) If I do say so myself. I'm a very lucky girl. Yes, I'm a very lucky girl. I think everyone gets jealous because they're like, wait, he cooks and he's good-looking? I'm like, yes, stay back, ladies. He's all mine. (laughs) Yeah, and he's all yours. Darn. Uh, I I can say I'm I'm, I'm very happy with mine. So (laughs) 45 (laughs) years later, yeah. Um, So besides being married to Mr. Chef, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Well, let's see. Uh, I'm actually a professional event planner and restaurant owner. So the majority of my career has actually been right by my husband's side in the hospitality industry. In fact, we met working for Michael Jordan, believe it or not. That Michael Jordan, yes. (laughs) So I have a very colorful past between being a bartender at a mafia joint, working for Michael Jordan, and even doing private events for celebrities out in L.A. So I I bring some of that uh, colorful storytelling into my books now. So I kind of fell into writing as a, a funny quick story. We had just opened up our restaurant and money was tight. So I thought I would, you know, take a crack at writing a quick story, you know, something quick and dirty, lots of fun. And I thought I'd, you know, make a couple hundred dollars and I would buy my husband something special for Christmas. And I sent it in and I got, I sent it into a publisher and I got a, a phone call back from the editor going on and on about how this book was going to be big and it's going to be this big bestseller. And I panicked 
because it was a very kinky book and I hadn't told my husband about it. So I had several glasses of wine and when he came home, I basically <laughs> practically started crying and he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I have to tell you, I think I just wrote a bestseller. <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't understand. I was like, it's a really dirty book. <laughs> so, and it was funny because it wound up being a big seller and the publisher came to me and said, we need more. What, what else do you have? And I, I unfortunately was like, I don't have anything else. This was a lark. <laughs> this wasn't supposed to become a new career, which it, it obviously has. And we are just having so much fun with it. It's just a really, really fun industry full of really great people. Oh, it is. It's, it, you know, and it's a very supportive industry. I mean, I've, I've met once in a while you meet an author who you know, they're not supportive of everybody else. But, you know, I've gone to events where you're, you know, you're at a table with somebody you don't, you've never met before, and you meet them, and before you know it, they're saying, oh, go, you got to go over and look at Tina's table. I'll say, you got to go over and look at so-and-so's table. And, you know, that's just, that's just the way, anyway, the authors that I've met have been. So it's, it's, it's really nice. Um, I would definitely what agree. Is One of my of favorites. Oh, my title of my first book, I, I warned you, it's very dirty, is uh, The Submission of Little Emmy. So I started out with historical daddy dom. So I still write some of that. And in fact, I'm working on a contemporary daddy dom series, um, which would fall under dark romance. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. It just got silent for a second. So, <laughs> on that on that note, can you? Because when I think of dark romance, I mean, first thing I thought of was vampires and voodoo and you know and 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 things like that. But that's not at all what these are about. So, can you tell us a little bit about what dark romance is? Absolutely. So, dark romance. I will. Have, I'll be brutally honest. Dark romance was actually born out of the taboo word erotica all of a sudden erotica was persona non grata on amazon and barnes and noble and that sort of thing so initially a lot of us authors turned to the phrase dark romance to describe what i would say is edgier books you know they're a little bit kinkier and now it's, it's actually blossomed into its own really amazing genre it's very open ended Some authors, when they say dark romance, they write kind of psychological, dark and twisty, tortured heroes. Um, Others will mean that it's kinky sex. It's out of the box, not vanilla sex. Others will say it's suspense with no happy ending, which is very much so against the typical romance format. And then still others will say it's kind of like the dark, non-con anti-hero types which is very much so what i typically write is the dark non-con and so it's it's a very open-ended definition which is why you really as a reader you have to pay attention to the blurb and what the author is trying to warn you because there is no set formula for dark romance some have happy endings some don't some have heroes you're going to love. Some you're, you're screaming the whole time, call the cops on this guy <laughs> to the book. So it is a very open-ended genre. <laughs> you know, I'd have to say, I'd never, I'd never read, you know, one of the things I love about this show is I'm reading all sorts of stuff that I've never read before. And this, this is my first far away into this type of, your type of dark romance. And there were a couple of times yeah. it's like, 
Well, he really isn't much of a hero, although there's a happy ending, <laughs> and I like the writing. And you know, so, um, yeah, I write yeah. heroes that people love to hate. <laughs> yeah, recently yeah. I, I have another book called. Yes, I recently I have a book called Papa's Prey, which was my first indie book, and it's a very dark historical daddy dom. And somebody had recently posted on Facebook that they didn't want to hurt my feelings, but they really hate my hero and that they just couldn't fall in love with him. And I, I commented back, well, I certainly hope not. He's a real evil bastard. <laughs> I don't want you falling in love. This is he's no Prince Charming, and I am not setting him up to be. So, uh, you know, I, I do, but I do think some women, you know, I mean, there is a very core reader base out there that just love that hero that pushes the limits of society and they just love to hate and they're fascinated by a woman that can find some glimmer of reason to fall in love with that guy. Well, and I, and I think one of the things is, you know, you're not saying that the, your heroine is not strong because she's strong enough to realize what she wants from this man. You know, it may not be exactly. what, you know, other people would, would want, but, you know, these women are strong enough. So there, it's not like these men are, man, men are overpowering and, well, they are kind of a little bit, but, uh, you know, um, the, but the women are, I, I think they're strong, strong, you know, strong women. So Yes, I really um, like writing, you know, kind of that feisty, strong heroine because otherwise, you know, it's, there's no fun. Like in uh, Dark Deception, um, the hero and heroine are both thieves, and she hates his guts. She fights him every chance she gets. And um, I just, I like that because I think that it, it is in a way realistic that a, a strong man will only really see a, a strong woman as a challenge and a true partner. If they're too mm-hmm. submissive well, and, she- and too weak... There's no real spark there. There's no challenge. There's no conquering urge, if you will. Yeah. Oh, and she even puts a hit out on him. I mean, I just. Yes, well, she's really, she does. She's really a fan <laughs> at him. She does. She, really she does not very like mad. Guy. She very much so wants him dead for the majority of the book, which I just love. Yeah. I'm one of those people that, you know, the second the, the hero and the heroine start getting along and get all gushy, I'm like, aw, the fun part's over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like when they kind of battle it out for the majority of the book. Well, and, and, and they don't, it doesn't, I mean, they, they have, happy, the ones that I read have happy endings. So they definitely are, are, are romance. Um, yes. Oh no, I lost, I lost my question. Where, where, where was I going to go with this? Um, oh, sometimes but you not read a romance where. romance have happy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk about in a little bit with your upcoming book. Um, Oh, darn, I forgot again what I was going to say. Oh, I, in, so, in some romances where the, the couples hate each other throughout the book, and then all of a sudden, you know, the last page, they're in love, and you're just like, really? No. This, you know, it doesn't end like, I mean, it has a happy ending, but, you know, at least they realize that not on the last page. That kind of drives me crazy when authors do that. I would agree. Sometimes you'll see a lot of my books, I'll even, I tend not to, always end you know with the the marriage or something where sometimes like dark deception still ends kind of on a teasing note you know where I'm I'm a big fan of maybe the hero saying he in fact in a lot of my books the hero is the one that says he loves her first 
you know, and then the heroine's kind of like, yeah, I'll think about it. <laughs> like basically <laughs> still kind of, you know, kind of kicking a little bit at the hero. So I'm a big fan of having endings like that where the hero kind of declares his love and the heroine goes, yeah, of course, because I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you well, know, it's kind of like not happily ever after, but happily for now, kind of. Exactly. Because I'm not a big fan of the ones that wrap it up in too tight of a bow, you know, and then they married and had babies. Yeah. I, I kind of like endings that make you think like the, the, the kind of love-hate fun is going to continue for a little while longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna have a... Um, well, I don't want to say a tumultuous uh, marriage if they get married, but certainly a, an interesting life together. Yes, so, a red and scarlet marriage, well, as I like to call it. <laughs> well, and what I was wondering, you know, in, in, in Dark Deception, um, it's like, well, are they going to be thieves together? Are they going to, it was kind of like, hmm, are they going to join forces and... <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of because they're so they're so independent in their own right. It's it's hard to believe that she could actually work with someone. And then I do really like how the scene where they do start to work together. But I was very much so inspired by the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith. If you've seen it with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, where the two Uh kind of assassins start to work together, but she's actually a better assassin and more accomplished than him, and he just has to deal with that. So I, I really kind of was inspired by that where I don't make him the better, you know, thief. She's actually the better thief. And he recognizes yeah. it and loves that about her, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's he's pretty much in in awe of her or really respects her talents, I think. Yeah, um, which is one of my favorite things about his characters. He very much so knows what he wants and he wants her, but he wants her because he respects her intelligence and her skill as much as he wants her sexually, which is what I really liked about his character. He was very open about the fact that he thought she was an amazing thief, essentially, that she was very good at what she did. (laughs) And I I like that fact that he really reveled in that about her. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I enjoyed the book. Like I said, it was, you know, it, it, I didn't know what dark romance was, and I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> that's wow. <dark. laughs> I can put a little humor yeah. in mind. Not everybody does that with their dark uh, romance. I do, I do like doing a little bit of humor because I think that that's more indicative of life. I don't necessarily want it to be unrelentingly gritty. You know, I want, it, I want them to have some light moments. You know, and so Dark Deception does, like, the scene where he basically throws her in the trunk and then makes her wear those ridiculous <laughs> outfits. Um, yeah, like, I, I want to kind of show that I think it, it shows a nice dynamic of this is a, a healthy relationship. They might be a little unhealthy in how they kind of throw each other against walls while they're having sex, but on the whole, they do have a balanced relationship where they do actually laugh together as well. Well, and I, I know when I write my my love scenes too, I like to make I like to make them humorous because, frankly, yeah, it's kind of a funny act, you know. <laughs> it is. It's funny, you know. I mean, that's the thing is, life is full of you know the dark and the light, you know. And I think that a good book will have a little bit of both. Right. Um, I I particularly liked your your historicals. Um, Thank you. I read in the Ride Hard 
series. I read the first and the third one. Now you're going to have to, I, I mentioned it before we went on the air, and uh, you, you laughed when I said that because <laughs> you said the second one was your favorite. <laughs> uh, the second one is my favorite. The second one has probably the most humor out of the three, and it is based on, loosely based on a, a true uh story and I just absolutely adore that one but as any writer will tell you the second book in any series is all you always your redheaded stepchild like there's always that sophomore slump you know people will say they've read the first and the last one and for some reason book number two is always the one <laughs> that's a little problematic so I was like why did that have to be my favorite but it is my favorite there's there's a really great scene in that book where she's trying to run from him and she's in a hoop skirt and she falls to the floor and she's running underneath these church pews and the hoop skirt just keeps coming up and flashing her pantalets and he's just laughing his ass off because he's like, where do you think you're going? Like, how far do you think you're going to get doing this? <laughs> and so it's, you know, and that's also a book, as you can see, there's a bit of a theme with some of my books where she, like, I think the tagline for that is he might he might be falling in love with her if he can get her to stop killing him long enough. Like she really does take full on pot shots at him the entire book as well. Like, I think I lost track of how many times she pulls a gun on him. <laughs> well, I need to go back and, and definitely read that one. Well, one of the, one of the things that I enjoy about your historicals is your, your descriptions. I mean, I felt like I was uh, in uh, the rebel secret. I felt like, you know, I was on the horse and I was getting saddle sore. I mean, you, know, you are right. You are right there. And if you don't mind, I'd like just to read just a little bit about the beginning. You know, the beginning of the Rebel yeah, Secret because sure. I just think it's just so descriptive. If I can do it without fumbling over words here, a lone rider <laughs> scanned the horizon. The fiery orange sunset had bathed the desert valley in a rosy glow. Blotches of desert scrub and tiny bursts of honey-yellow flowers from the greasewood plant were the only other hint of color across the brown, barren stretch of stone, sand, and jagged rock. In the far distance, just to the south, were the low mud brick and wooden structures of Fort McIntosh, the stranger's destination. Um, and then you have, you have a little bit more description here, but then when she gets to um, the Imperial Saloon, the acrid scent of tobacco smoke and warm, unwashed bodies blended with the cadence of low conversation, clinking, clinking glasses, and the discordant, discordant shrieks of a saloon girl on stage attempting a rendition of When This Crew War Is Over. The gaudy oil paintings, polished brass lamps, felt tables, and mahogany bar of the interior gave an air of tawdry luxury to the saloon that ran counter to the rundown appearance of the town itself. Um, it just goes... It just goes on. I mean, I, I just loved your, just, you know, your descriptions. So, I'm like, damn, I sound pretty we good. Started this, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you write that? <laughs> no, I was like, and this, that? Um, Again, before we went on the air, we talked a little bit about how you do your, your research, and you mentioned the name of a book. And if you just want to talk a little bit about how, you know, you do your, you know, your historical research. Sure. Which I'm is always actually, fun. It's fun for me. <laughs> yes. It's one of my, my favorite parts of, you know, any book is I love doing the research part. So, like, for instance, for that Western series, I got, like, one book was called The Look of the Old West, which actually talked about 
the specifics of the furniture and like the daily day-to-day domestic things that they used because I think that adds a nice level of authenticity. So I'll often include like the brand name of the coffee that everybody was drinking or the fact that they had rag rugs or the type of wood that was used for the bed. Um, And I also, I had mentioned a book I had read was called Liar, Temptress, Soldier, Spy uh, by Karen Abbott. And it's the story of four women who went undercover as spies during the Civil War. And it was actually quite common for women to pose as soldiers during the Civil War. So I did a lot Mm -hmm. of research as to how they would have actually been able to to do that. And even like, for instance, I had a really great book. It's a used old textbook that I could only get shipped to me from like some dusty little independent bookstore in Texas, but it was called the soldiers, sutlers and settlers. And it was again, all about the forts and life at the forts and the very specific, you know, med, you know, the medicine that they use, the diseases that they fought, their, their duties, you know, how to break a horse. So I get very, very detail-oriented, you know, and a single sentence could take me three hours of research because I want to make sure I find out the type of wood used in a chair, you know, in the church pews of the school, you know. And even Mm -hmm. like that song, I didn't make that song up. That was a very popular song during that year. So even something as simple as a song title, I went through and looked at old song titles that were popular to sing in saloons. And, you know, and even yeah. the fact that in that book, the hero comes into the saloon, I researched, and that is true, that the, the local fort would be the, you know, would be the law in the town that sprung up near it, and the, the townspeople normally resented that. So a lot of these little tiny things are actually based in historical fact. Well, and one of the things, I, I, I stopped before the sentence, but this person who, I mean, as I read it, I kind of had an idea, especially, you know, talking about the <laughs> yeah, women who were, you know, pretended to be men, because, yeah, that did happen a lot during uh, World War II, during um, the Civil War. But you meant, she, uh, she says, or this person says, I'll take a flip and some information. And I'm like, huh, that's one I hadn't heard of. And uh, so obviously it's, um, and then it says, uh, with a shrug of shoulders, the barkeep pocketed the coin and grabbed a bottle of champagne and one fresh farm egg. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a really interesting drink. <laughs> and you know what the thing is, in old westerns and such from Hollywood, you see a lot with like whiskey and even drinking beer. When actually, a lot of people not, might not realize, but a flip, which is a form of a champagne cocktail, was one of the most popular drinks in the old west saloon. They adore hmm. champagne. <laughs> and so it is, it is one of those little things where I do like, you know, including those little details. Exactly, where you would never guess it, but actually whiskey was not as popular as people think it was. That this was actually, because it kind of let them, the West had a lot more money than people realized. And um, they liked spending that money, and they liked feeling as if they were part of a sophisticated society. So they liked the trappings of society like oil paintings and crystal chandeliers and champagne. Those were actually fairly common in a lot of the saloons in the major boom towns. Yeah, because usually people get the idea of it's, you know, this ramshackle 
place put exactly. up with, you know, two barrels Glass with a board across the top. You know, and, 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 and it was. I mean, there were, you know, the, the gold towns that, you know, sprung up out of nowhere. It was, you know, kind of like that. But as the towns became more settled, you know, things yeah, Exactly. Got a they liked showing it. They had theaters. They had, in fact, a lot of people don't realize, but some of the very first electrical neon signs were actually in the Old West Boomtown. I mean, these boomtowns had a lot of money. And, you know, they they, we, they wanted to show off. Well, one of the things that surprised me when I, because um, my story in Wild De- Deadwood Tales is set in, you know, Deadwood, obviously, in 18, I forget, 70 or 80, 80s or something like that. How soon they had electricity. Yes. And and yes. telegraph. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> This is this is a little town stuck down in you know in the mountains in the valley and you know it's like wow that, that in fact really I think Deadwood me. was one of the first towns that had the the neon signs yeah like I said a lot of people don't realize that a they had an enormous amount of money and b there were a lot of East Coast businessmen who knew that that's where quick and dirty money could be made so when they came out there like you'll also notice for instance in Rebel I'll mention that his the house that he's staying in was from the former commander. So it has things like pewter and China and a piano, you know what I mean? A piano, like the, the officer wives that came from the East coast brought all the trappings of East coast society. So they had, you know, it might look like a, a, a cabin, a, a rough board cabin from the outside. But when you went inside, you saw pianos and carpeting and China and oil paintings on the walls. So, yeah, the Wild West is a lot more sophisticated than I think people realize it was. Well, and I think once, you know, once they started, you know, like the Oregon Trail and that, which was very difficult, you know, I think later in the 18, you know, 70s and 80s and 90s, it was easier to transport things than by oh, yes. covered wagon. Yeah, Sears so catalog. But a lot of like yeah. one of the favorite things uh, for cowboys and cattle wrestlers to purchase once they got their money was a new suit. They loved a new suit. <laughs> like a lot of people don't realize that, but it was a three-piece suit with a vest. It was one of the most common purchases of cowboys. <laughs> you know, well, that's you probably why you think see... of like. Go ahead. When you look at some of these old pictures, you know, with it'll be like three or four men, and they all dressed in their suits. You know, yes, and, they're uh, all in but their, they were cowboys, vest. you know. Yes, yeah. that's what they preferred to wear. They only dressed as cowboys when they were on the trail. When they were in town, they wanted to show the few women that they were a man with money. And that's how you showed that you had money. You dressed like an East Coast businessman. You dressed in a suit. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, Oh, it's like I say. Oh, one of the other things in in these, you know, in the books is there is just a little bit of, um, I don't want to say mystery, but it's not just. I mean, there's a little more meat to it. There's, um, you know, somebody that's out to get him or out to get her, or, you know, there's always a the bad guy. <laughs> I do like my books, especially since I do so much research and everything. I do like them to have you know, plot in between the sex scenes. I mean, there are books that the sex scenes are the focus, and that's fine. And one of my books like that is Snow and the Seven Huntsmen. I mean, it's seven men, and it's a short book. There's a lot of sex scenes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy writing kind of a plot line, and I do particularly like when it's a, a mystery or suspense element. That does make it a lot more 
exciting. And like we had said, even Dark Deception, that I did a ton of research. So anything mentioned in there is actually heists or advice from thieves, especially jewel thieves. They are marvelously willing to write books about their careers once they retire. You'd be amazed how many jewel thieves have actually write a book detailing how they stole all the jewels throughout their career. Jeez. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't come back to bite them in the butt, huh? From books. I know it's hilarious. Hmm. It's literally like how I did it and how the cops couldn't blame me. It's like wow. Okay then. <laughs> Wow. Well, we only have to, ooh, not much time left. I want to get on to the one that's coming out October 18th called, uh, called The Broken Doll. Broken, oh, it's Broken a, Doll, yes. That is a very um, twisted tale. It is not my typical, I have kind of moved into, I was actually approached some, by some really good author friends to participate in an anthology, and they said that it has to be a horror and I can't have a happy ending. So I said, okay. And up until that point, most of my books had a happy or happy for now ending. And so I think I really scared my husband with this book because they approached me oh. on a Wednesday and I had it written because it's just a short story. It's like 10, 12,000 words. I had it finished by Friday. And he said, I'm not sure what scares me more is that you had such a messed up tale just ready to go in your head or how quickly you wrote it. <laughs> and so it was originally called My Name is Jane, and I've changed it now. I'm going to release it as a standalone to Broken Doll. And it is a, it has a, a huge twist to it that you don't really see coming. Anyone who's read it has not seen it coming. When, and when they get to the twist, it really messes with your head. <laughs> well, I'm really, I definitely really going to pick that one up. And we do have to go. I'm going to get cut off here. Thank you, Zoe, so much for joining me. Thank and I look you. forward to seeing you next year in Deadwood. I was about to say, and please join me. Please join me on October 23rd when I'll be talking to J.R. Ward. Until then, read on, my lovelies. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you. My heart skips skipping the beach and not close enough so that space between you and me let's lose it the way you're dancing swaying to the music girl that body and how you move it every time you cross my mind girl I lose it Alexa play the country heat playlist okay with Amazon music a voice is all you need get tens of millions of songs download the Amazon music app today